Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any who were there that belonged to the way, whether men or women, he would take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you're persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem, and he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he has to suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother, Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up, was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Sometimes when I sit down to do one of these episodes of the podcast, I will sit down and I'll spend time, sometimes hours, just speaking and trying to do my best to communicate what I feel like the Lord's put on my heart to share for that specific week. And there's times where either during or after I'll spend time doing it, but then I just will feel a lack of peace about what it is that was said. And during those times, I would just scrap everything um, that was said and just kind of say, all right, Lord, um, I trust that there is something that I needed to say that wasn't said. And so I'm just going to kind of wait upon you in order to um, feel that peace again uh, before sharing this week's episode. And if you've followed this podcast before, then you know this has happened before. And so personally, it's it's nothing really crazy. I mean, there's a time commitment. As of right now, I'm recording this like 1.30 in the morning. So that kind of stinks. But I'm really not bummed whenever this happens because I know that 
the Lord has shown up over and over and over and over again. Just every single time that I feel like he tells me to wait and to just kind of just give it some time and then speak that he always blesses it. It's always something that I'm just amazed of like, wow, God, you know, um, that is totally you. <laughs> that is not me. And that happened today as I was recording this podcast. And in between that time, the Lord just kind of highlighted to me uh, just the whole idea of weakness. And this passage here in Acts 9 kind of came to my mind as I was just thinking about weakness. And it's interesting to me that before Saul, who eventually became Paul and the, the, you know, the author of three-fourths of the New Testament, before Saul was able to experience Christ and experience the fullness of life that was offered to him, he had to be made weak. Before this passage in Acts 9, you see that Saul was kind of the the top of the Pharisees, a religious sect of Jews, because these were the people that were like super close to God. And Saul was one of the top people of that. He did whatever he needed to do in order to get that accreditation. This is someone that didn't really have to rely on anybody. He kind of had everything. If anything, you see in this passage that Saul had people that were traveling with him that were kind of like his, you know, servants. Paul turns to the people that were supposed to be there to just kind of assist and help him. He turns to them and now he has to be helped. He turns to them. He's saying, look, I I can't see. And these people don't really know what happened. And so the men lead them into the same city that he once was going with a different intent. But now his intent has changed because the Lord made him weak. So now he's there. And instead of delivering a letter for the way to be persecuted, he's there and he is vulnerable. He is in need and he is weak. And through that, the Lord speaks to a man named Ananias, one of the people that were a part of the way, the same group of people that Saul was going to not only capture and throw into prison, but to persecute. And the Lord speaks to Ananias, and there is something that stood out to me, and it's found in verse 16. I will show him how much he has to suffer for my name. So Paul is made weak in order for him to see God and have a softened heart in order to listen to God. We see from this point on that Paul's life changes. He has this encounter with Jesus and he is just on fire. He has a passion and a zeal for the Lord and he gives his whole life, his whole being to it. He throws away all of the recognition, all of the um, rewards, all of the you know status, all of that. He throws it all away because it was worth nothing compared to knowing Jesus now. And you see later on in Paul's life, he's writing a letter to the church in Corinth. Out of all of the churches that he ministered, there's commentators that say that this was one of the, just the highest concentration of false prophets and people that were attacking Paul, not only just through his character, but just attacking his credibility. And this is what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting with verse 1. I hope you will put up with a little more of my foolishness. Please bear with me, for I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ, but I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. 
you happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach, or a different kind of spirit than the one you received, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. But I don't consider myself inferior in any way to these so-called super apostles who teach such things. I may be unskilled as a speaker, but I am not lacking in knowledge. We have made this clear to you in every possible way. Was I wrong when I humbled myself and honored you by preaching God's good news to you without expecting anything in return? I robbed other churches by accepting their contributions so I can serve you at no cost. And when I was with you and didn't have enough to live on, I did not become a financial burden to anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia brought me all that I needed. I have never been a burden to you, and I never will be. As surely as the truth of Christ is in me, no one in all of Greece will ever stop me from boasting about this. Why? Because I don't love you? God knows that I do. But I will continue doing what I have always done. This will undercut those who are looking for an opportunity to boast that their work is just like ours. These people are false apostles. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I am not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as a servant of righteousness. In the end, they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. Verse 16. Again, I say, don't think that I am a fool to talk like this. But even if you do, listen to me as you would a foolish person while I boast a little. Such boasting is not from the Lord, but I am acting like a fool. And since others boast about their human achievements, I will too. After all, you think you are so wise, but you enjoy putting up with fools. You put up with it when someone else enslaves you, taking everything you have, takes advantage of you, takes control of everything, and slaps you in the face. I'm ashamed to say that we have been too weak to do that. But whatever they dare boast about, I'm talking like a fool again. I dare to boast about it too. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a man-man, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put to prison more often, been whipped times without number and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, in the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then, besides all of this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my feeling that weakness? Who is led astray and I do not burn with anger? If I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. God, the Father of the Lord Jesus, who is worthy of eternal praise, knows that I am not lying. When I was in Damascus, the governor kept guards at the city gates to catch me. I had to be lowered in baskets through a window in the city wall to escape from him. 
chapter 12, verse 1. This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up in the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body, but I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words, things no human is allowed to tell. That experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth, but I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or have heard in my message, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take the pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. When I am weak, then I am strong. From Acts chapter 9 all the way here to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and 12, we see such a heart change within Paul. Before the Lord made him weak, Paul was this man who just had this pomp and this arrogance, and he had all of the titles and positions to back up that, that pomp and that arrogance. But then the Lord makes him weak in order for him to turn to him. And as he turns to the Lord, he has his heart change, and he lives his life not for the, his own purpose or his own you know, righteousness or anything like that, but you see that Paul surrenders his life to Jesus, falls in love with Jesus, and devotes his life to telling others about Jesus, even at the cost of his own comfort, even at the cost of his own well-being. He, he was shipwrecked three times. He was flogged. He was, he was you know, stoned. So much stuff that Paul talked about that happened to him. And if he was just doing this for his own sake, what he's trying to say, he's saying, why would I do this? What is the purpose? What am I gaining from this? It's not even worth to boast about because that's not what I'm after. I'm not after boasting about all of my accomplishments and all the things that I did for God. But Paul goes on to say, the only thing that I'll boast about is my weakness. And he talks about how the Lord has shown him that in his weakness, that God's power, that Christ's power is best seen. You see this in verse 9. Each time the Lord said to him in his weakness, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, all the trouble that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We see in other parts of the New Testament, Paul continuing with this idea that there is a strength in weakness. And he continues this idea when he's writing to the Philippian church in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 4. And going on a little bit in the verse in verse 4, he says this, Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have more. I was circumcised when I was eight years old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Judah, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. 
I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as far as righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have disregarded everything else, counted it all as garbage so that I can gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one another or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you, but we must hold to the progress we've already made. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you this often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are those and many that have conducted themselves and they show that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things and they think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven where Lord Jesus lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak, mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Heavy heart, no matter what weakness that you feel like you have, that I have, at the end of the day, the Lord delights in using weak in order to show his power. But so often we are so focused on our weakness that we feel like we are less than than the other people that are able to do things and perform things and achieve things and have the titles, have the positions, have all of that things that we so easily can get wrapped around the smoke and mirrors of this life. But as Paul says right here, there gets a point where we have to say, okay, Lord, are you better? Are you bigger than anything else this world can offer? through all of the strength that I can muster, even on my best days. Lord, are you better than me at my best days? Are you better than me at my worst days? Lord, are you worth more than anything I can achieve here and now? And so often we focus so much on our our, our ability or, or what we can do or what we can produce that we fail to see at the end of the day A broken and contrite heart is all that the Lord is looking for. He is more after relationship than he is after polish. But we live in a world that constantly looks to see the amount of polish that you have and the amount of prettiness or or just beauty that something has or what you can achieve or produce. Because at the end of the day, we live in a world that looks at you 
and me as objects. But our God does not look at us as objects. He looks at us and sees his son and daughter that he bled for. He paid the price that no one was willing to pay for you and for me in order for us to be his and our identity be wrapped around him and him alone. Not anything we can produce, not anything that we can do, not anything that anybody can say about us. At the end of the day, through our weakness, his power is seen at work within our lives. I sat around earlier with many other people around my age and we were we were opening up the Bible and we were reading. But before we were reading the scripture and having time in prayer with one another, we were just sharing about how each and every one of our weeks have been kind of going and what the Lord's kind of been showing us and, and different things that we were kind of wrestling with. And there was this common thread within each and every one of the people around the room. And these are people that love Jesus with all their heart. But each and every one of them, including myself, we were just talking about how weak that we have felt at different times. And there was this one woman that was there in the group, and she was just sharing how recently the Lord has put her in a position of leadership, and she just feels like she can't do what it is that the Lord has called her or placed her in the position to do. And at the end of the day, she was just crying out saying, I, I, I want to do well. I want to do well. I'm, I'll do anything that I can, but I just feel like I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And I was just thinking about that whole idea of what Paul talks about, that in our weakness, God can be seen through us. And at the end of the day, the world doesn't need another person that, 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 that puts on that facade of having it all together. The world needs genuine. The world needs people that will be honest about their weakness. Because at the end of the day, strength isn't found in overcoming the weakness. Strength is found in the only one that can overcome the weakness, Jesus Everything else is rubbish. And as long as we have a humbled heart saying, Lord, show me, teach me, grow me. God, help me not have an arrogance and a pride that I try to cling on my own understanding or my own ability. But at the end of the day, when we come to Jesus, there's a funeral that happens. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And we see in John chapter 3, Jesus say that the only way that you can have eternal life is being born again. Part of being born again is admitting, Lord, I am weak on my own. I am dead in my sin and my rebellion and my hostility towards you. And Lord, I'm crying out to you because I know on the cross you defeated death so that I can have life. So Lord, in order for me to have life, as you claim in John chapter 10, verse 10, that you have not just come to give me life, but life abundantly. In order for me to have that abundant life here and now, going on to eternity, Lord, in order for me to experience life, why? Because you were the author of life and you were the defeater of death. In order for me to have life, I surrender myself because I realize on my own, I am dead and I am worthless. That I cannot have a reconciled relationship with you because of my hostility, because of my sin, because of my brokenness. I'm recognizing my brokenness. I'm recognizing my weakness and I am embracing a life wrapped around your strength wrapped around your name, wrapped around your lordship. Jesus, you are my God. You are my creator, savior, sustainer. I turn to you like a child turns to a father or a child turns to a mother. Like childlike faith. 
Knowing that I on my own can't lead myself, but Lord, I'm looking to you. You are the only one that can lead me. You are the only one that can forgive this debt that I owe because you have paid a price that I can never pay on my own. That's the gospel. The gospel is coming to the Lord saying, Lord, I am weak. I am nothing without you. And the beautiful thing is, is when we come to Jesus, we come with nothing. We come with nothing and we receive his everything. But sometimes as we grow and as we grow in Christ, we start to take on all of the giftings that God has given us and all the different places that the Lord has called us to. We start to take all that on and we forget that it is the Lord that has given us each and everything that we have from the titles to the giftings, to the positions, to the influence. There's nothing that we have earned or gained on our own, but it is a gift from God. And we start to believe a lie that we are are the ones that are shepherding or, or leading the charge when it comes to our gift. And yes, we are called to be good stewards of what the Lord has given us. But sometimes we get it twisted and we forget, wait a minute, Lord, it is you that gave this to me. And I don't have to have all the answers, but I just have to have a surrendered heart. Lord, teach me, show me, help me know how to steward the giftings that you've given me. I need you. And we beat ourselves up sometimes because we feel like we don't measure up or we're not good enough. And of course, there's a beautiful thing about saying, look, I know I can improve. But at the end, our identity is not in our giftings. It's in Jesus. You get what I'm saying? That's why Paul can boast about his weakness. That's why at the end of the day, we can say, Lord, I know that I'm not doing as good as I know I could be, but God, help me. A a cry of a humbled heart saying, God, help me. Lord, I am desperate. I am dependent on you. That is one of the most beautiful things that we can have in the eyes of our God. The Lord looked at Paul in his weakness, the thorn in his flesh. And instead of removing the weakness, the Lord said, I want to use this weakness in order for you to see me and to grow closer to me because I love you so much. And sometimes it takes a weakness in order for you to see that there is something that exists beyond this life and beyond all the trappings that this life can bring. I love you and I have a plan and purpose for your life that goes far beyond anything this world can offer. And through your pain, you stop looking to this world and you start looking to me. You start gazing, you start longing for me. In that Bible study, after we were sharing our weakness, we were just looking in the scripture and looking through the scripture at different passages, like passages similar to these of, of okay, Yes, we recognize we are weak, but Lord, where is your strength despite our weakness? And just seeing over and over and over and over and over again, you know, passages like 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and he's saying, look, that there are spiritual gifts, there are giftings that God has given each and every person, especially after they have surrendered to himself. There is giftings and it is the Lord that gives the gifts. And there's different giftings. And it's not our job to be, well, Lord, they can do this, but I can't. Lord, I'm weak in this area, but they're strong in this area. But at the end of the day, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, look, it is a gift from God. And he can help you use that giftings 
for him and grow you in excellence and grow you in righteousness through the giftings that he's given you. But at the end of the day, it is him growing you, not you trying to manipulate or change things in order for there to be a growth or be a strength or be, be a favor. I had a professor in college. He said, look, we as people cannot live as if it is the trees that move the wind. And what he was saying is that so often we try to change and to move God. God, if I do this and if I, if I, if I perform this way, then there'll be more favor and, 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 and all this other stuff. And, and yes, the Lord uses excellence and he uses first fruits. But at the end of the day, first fruits, us giving our, our talents and our giftings, as long as we are giving it to him in humility and teachability and surrender and honesty and vulnerability and truthfulness, as long as we are doing that, the Lord will bless it. He doesn't bless it if it looks a certain way. He blesses it from just a heart that cries out saying, Lord, I am yours. I think about the woman at the temple who had a little bit of coin and there's this man that had a lot of coin and he dumped all the coin. But then there's this little woman that had just a little penny and she dropped it off in the offering basket. And the disciples looked to Jesus and said, hey, which one, which one, which one did more? And Jesus said, the woman did because she gave all that she had. It's not about the quantity. It's about the quality. It's about, Lord, are, are we giving you our first fruit? Are we giving you our talents, our effort, our energy? And when we don't give him our first fruits and we, we, we're, we're going through the motions and we're lazy and we're complacent, all it takes is a repentant heart saying, Lord, forgive me, help me. The Lord is quick to forgive. His mercies are new every morning. As we were sharing and we were looking through the Lord's faithfulness that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we were seeing all this stuff. We started going into a time of worship, just spontaneous worship, and we're worshiping together. And it's really interesting. As we were worshiping in this room, there, there were people, including myself, we weren't hitting all the right notes, but it was beautiful. It was beautiful. To a holy God. We will never hit the right notes. But a heart that cries out in vulnerability and transparency to their God is beautiful. I remember sitting in an old church and there was this woman who volunteered her time to play piano for the church in order for there to be worship. She learned the piano in order for her to be able to use her gifts in order to lead people to Jesus and I remember watching her one day as she was playing piano and she was beating herself up every time she hit a wrong note. And I remember looking at her and I just had compassion. I was saying, if only you knew how beautiful you are. And I felt like the Lord told, like, just kind of put a spotlight on my heart and said, Jonah, this girl, that, that beautiful but broken piano piece that she is playing, that's you. That's us. And the Lord was saying, you are nothing but a broken yet beautiful piano piece to me. And I delight in every single note. Jonah, I'm not after every note being perfect. I'm after your heart. And I just felt led to share to you. It's okay. 
It's okay to admit that we're weak. We're in a hard place. Right now, as of recording this, there are people that literally feel like everything is falling apart. There's people that are scared. There's people that aren't talking to mothers or fathers or brothers or sisters because of politics. There's people that are that are fighting and hurting one another because of hurts and, and baggage and unforgiveness. I, I drove out right before recording this podcast and there was a heavy snow. There's people just trying to make it through. But even though they're trying all that they can, their car still spins out. This is real. We are weak. We are frail. We are frail. And we have an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And instead of coming alongside one another in our weakness, we beat each other up. What is wrong with us? God, help us. Help me. God, you're not after anything else but our hearts. Humble us. God, if that means allowing us to be weak so that we turn to you, let it be. So often we worship the God of comfort and of pleasure and of self. There's so much more. There's so much more than this. No matter who you are, turn on social media. You'll see it. We're weak. And I get it. We're crying out for a love that will last. A void. That is huge. That at the end of the day can only be filled by a God who's bigger than anything else that this world can offer. A love that will never leave, never abandon us. We are crying out for a creator, savior, sustainer. We are crying out for Jesus. But may we not, may we not miss the beauty and weakness Yes, the prayer is, Lord, I don't want to stay weak. I want to have a strength. But may the cry of our heart is not just for a strength to not be weak, but a strength in Jesus and Jesus alone. He's the only strength that will last through the shipwrecking and, and being stoned and persecuted and, and beat up and, and slandered and called all certain names and ostracized all that beyond a, a political affiliation or an identity or or a, a community there's only one that will completely satisfy overwhelm and overcome we're weak we're weak we're weak but it's okay why because in our weakness it's such a beautiful opportunity for our god to show off but may we have a humbled heart saying, God, I want to grow, but I want to grow in you and you alone. I don't want to do it by my own strength. I can't do it by my own strength. As I was sitting there and we're all 
just crying out in their own way. I was just sitting there. I just felt so free. I didn't have to hide behind anything. The people around me didn't care. Their eyes were focused on something greater than any any type of image or any type of performance. We were focused. May that be our hearts always. May we be so focused on something so much greater that we stop living for the performance or the acceptance. But we say, God, I want to live my life with an excellence through a surrender to you. Lead me in your way everlasting. Lord, let your word, let your word be the anchor for my life. Let your word be what soothes and and what renews and, and gives me a purpose that goes beyond anything that I can produce. God, you have big plans for me. Help it be your word speaking things into existence in my heart. Not my ability. Heavy heart, no matter where today finds you, you are loved and he cares. He cares. Our God became weak and died on a cross for you. And his strength wasn't found in his physical body, but his strength was found in his obedience to overcome what we cannot overcome. There's a song that stood out to me as I was just thinking about this whole idea of weakness. And it's off of an album that has really ministered to me when it came out, especially last year, by the band Blue October. And if you follow this band, Blue October, through their career, then especially the lead singer, Justin Furstenfeldt, he has been through so much. He has struggled with depression and and a lot of different uh, you know illnesses and mental illnesses from bipolar to addiction. And if you just listen to their catalog, their discography uh, from the beginning to their latest album, you just see just a realness and a vulnerability of weakness. You just see and hear weakness. He is just talking about his weakness and he is, you know, going through all these different seasons of life and handling his weakness in different ways. But recently he had a moment where he cried out and said, Lord, I can't do this on my own. And you see this pivot through his music and also just in his personal life, you just see this pivot of, of this, just this sobriety and this just, just overwhelming just sense of purpose and strength. And he completely gives credit to the Lord, and he's, he, he makes it very clear about that. And on the newest CD, on the last track of, of the album, the whole album is still talking about, you know, the, the weaknesses that he feels, but also just what the Lord is doing and, and showing him through all of that. And the last song on the album, the name of the song is Only Lost is Found. And it's, oh, goodness, it has been ministering to me so powerfully since it came out especially if you just listen to the whole album because he's just talking about his weakness and also just, again, the journey of, of just walking through that weakness. And he just talks about in this last track, he just, just throws up his hand and he's just being honest, saying that, Lord, I know that you are the only one that can do and, and to move within me and to help me look up and to see you. 
that I am weak. I am weak apart from you. And I felt led to play this song for you. And I pray that it ministers to you as it's ministered to me. And again, the name of the band is Blue October. And the name of the song is Only Lost is Found. And Heavy Heart, no matter where today finds you, may we have a day right now, a moment right now of just surrender. God, you are bigger and more powerful than anything that our weakness can tell us. And we look to you, Lord. And just like he says in this song, and just like Paul said here in Philippians and 2 Corinthians, and also what we see in Acts, that the Lord uses our weakness in order for us to see more of him. Because at the end of the day, it's only when we realize that we are lost, that we can be found heavy heart. You are not alone. May our weakness point us to the strength of Jesus.
Thank you.